0: Welcome to A Word from the Word on Sound of Truth Podcast. In this podcast episode, you're going to hear a shorter version of a message I delivered to the wonderful people of Harvest Jacksonville. So if you're able, grab a Bible and join me for A Word from the Word. Hey, Pastor Brett here. And did you know that our God prefers to live in a mobile home? That's right. We serve a mobile home God. I want to show you that from 2nd. Samuel Chapter Seven, and then also from several other scriptures, because I know it's an audacious claim, but I think you'll agree with me by the time this little message is over, that we serve a mobile home God in Second Samuel chapter seven, King David is enjoying his wonderful, fabulous mansion, and he begins to feel sorry for God because God is in a tabernacle that was moved around, and so let's just pick up the story starting in verse 1, 2 Samuel chapter 7. After the king was settled in his palace and the Lord had given him rest from all his enemies around him, he said to Nathan the prophet, Here I am, living in a palace of cedar, while the ark of God remains in a tent. Nathan replied to the king, Whatever you have in mind, go ahead and do it, for the Lord is with you. That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, This is what the Lord says, Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I have commanded to shepherd my people Israel, Why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you for wherever you have gone, and I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great like the names of the greatest men of the earth, and I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore, as they did at the beginning, and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings inflicted by men. But my love will never be taken away from him, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. Here we have in this passage a Prophetic word given to Nathan that was fulfilled in two ways. We call this double fulfillment of Old Testament prophecy. There are prophecies in the Old Testament, many prophecies in the Old Testament, that were fulfilled twice once in the immediate future and then once in the distant future by the Messiah. This is one of those passages. Here we have Nathan letting David know that his descendant would build a house for the Lord. David thought immediately of his own flesh and blood son. And it is true, Solomon was the one who built the brick-and-mortar temple that was used for worship, for sacrifices, for Israel. However, this passage is also fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ, who is building his own house. So We're going to get to that in just a moment, but I do want to point out that this is a double-fulfillment passage. Now, let me rewind and get back to my original thesis that God prefers to live in a mobile home. I want you to notice here that God did not command David to build a house himself that is for god himself instead this was david's idea it was never god's idea god lives everywhere the bible teaches that god is everywhere we believe in this doctrine it's called the omnipresence of god god is everywhere all the time psalm 139 david said where can i flee from your presence If i go to the height of the mountain you're there if i go to the deepest valley you're there no matter where i go lord you're there can't get away from god he's everywhere but there's also this sense in which god manifests his special presence in certain places and at certain times But God never wanted a permanent house in a specific city. God is a mobile home God. He did ordain the tabernacle, which was to travel, but he did not himself come up with the idea of the temple. This is important for us to think about. God did not prefer to dwell in a building. In fact, we're going to find out here in Scripture that it says he doesn't dwell in buildings. Yes, his special presence was in the Holy of Holies, but that was all a foreshadowing for us and metaphor for us in regard to the Messiah and heaven where God's throne is, that no one can approach God in all his glory. He's unapproachable in the same way the Holy of Holies symbolized that, and God put his presence there in a special way that only the high priest could go in, symbolizing, of course, our ultimate high priest, Jesus Christ. So this is very prophetic. It's also very picturesque, this idea of the temple. But it wasn't God's plan for where he would dwell to where we would think, this is where God is at. That's the way the other gods around Israel were. Some people had idols or gods that they had in their house that they would bow down to. But our God is spirit. And Jesus said, John chapter 4, those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. In fact, in that passage when he was talking to the woman at the well, she said, now our fathers, she was a Samaritan, Our fathers teach that we're supposed to worship on Mount Gerizim, but you, the Jews, say in Jerusalem. Who's right? And Jesus says, in effect, John chapter 4, you can look this up, verses 20 through 24. Listen, lady, there was a time that that was a question, but the time is now coming out now is where Those who worship the Father will worship him in spirit and in truth. In other words, it's not the right question to ask, where do you worship God? The right question is, how do you worship God? In spirit and in truth. It's not about the place, physical location. It's about the heart. It's about the spirit of a person. Now, what's really fascinating is when when we think about this is how this was fulfilled by the Lord Jesus Christ. Solomon fulfilled it partially by building a temple But Jesus fulfilled this passage completely. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, yeah, but what about when he does wrong? Jesus did no wrong. Jesus was tempted in every way you and I were, and yet without sin. So it seems like that part of the prophecy wouldn't apply. Well, actually, it can be applied to Jesus, because when Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross for our sins, he took our place. He became sin for us. Not that he committed sin, but our sin was placed upon him such that God the Father saw him as the sinner that deserved to be punished with infinite wrath upon him in our place instead of us. That's why the Apostle Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, God made him who had no sin, that's the sinless Son of God, Jesus Christ, the Messiah, to be sin for us. In other words, God treated him as if he was the one who had done wrong. He was flogged, he was beaten, and he was crucified. In that sense, this passage in 2 Samuel is fulfilled in Christ. As if he had done wrong, he bore the punishment for us. Now, that's the gospel. That's the only way you can be saved, friend, is by trusting what Christ has done for you on the cross of Calvary and through his resurrection. If you would turn away from your sin, put your faith in him, you will be saved. So that's how that's fulfilled. But the focus of this particular message is that God wants us to know that he prefers to dwell in a mobile home. Now, I said I'd tell you a lot of scriptures. I want to just mention a few here to support this. First Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred. Now, in a lot of our minds, we'd be thinking, oh, the brick-and-mortar temple in Jerusalem is sacred. No, that's not what he's talking about, because look what he says next. He says, and you together are that temple. God's people are the temple of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. Our bodies are the church building. We are the church. Jesus said in Matthew 16 that he would build his church. He wasn't thinking of a brick and mortar facility, he was thinking of his people, the church. Ephesians chapter 2. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is being joined together and rises to become a holy temple. In the Lord. Now, this is a metaphor. It's not a literal brick and mortar building. Verse twenty-two. And in Him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by His Spirit. We are the church. We are God's building. We are the holy place in which God dwells. We are set apart. The Bible says we are holy in Christ. Another scripture, Hebrews chapter three, verse six. But Christ is faithful as the Son over God's house, and we are. His house. We are his house and we are meant to go. We are his house. Are we to huddle together and just hang out and fellowship and pray together? Well, we can do that. We can come together to encourage one another and spur one another on toward love and good deeds. But then we disperse about to share the good news of Jesus Christ, to shine the light of Christ that's dwelling in us. We are the light of the world, Jesus said. We are the salt of the earth, Jesus said. And so we don't just huddle together and hide in a church building and protect ourselves from the world. No, we're to be out in the world, among the world shining the light of Jesus. We are God's house to shine his love and light to the world. We are lighthouses for the world so that they would know Christ. And so here's a couple application points. If you want to go to God's house, just look in the mirror. You're it. This facility I'm sitting in is part of our, you want to call it church building. It's an office in here. But it's not God's house. We didn't come to God's house on Sunday morning. We were God's house coming into this facility. We need to correct our language in, in the church today where we talk about The church as if it's a building. You pass by an empty building on the road where a church gathers, that's all it is. It's an empty building where a church gathers. It's a special place because God's people meet there, but it's not sacred or holy as if God's living in that building. No, He's living in the people who trust Him, who gather there on Sunday or whenever they gather. Second application point We have a tendency to prefer to centralize and make stationary our meeting place with God, but God wants us on the move. He said in uh, the Great Commission, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Go and make disciples. We have a tendency to to build a building and then say, come to us if you want to know about God, if you want to become a Christian, if you want to grow in your faith. And Jesus said the opposite. He didn't say, come to us. He said, go to them. Go to your neighbors. Go to your coworkers. Go to your family members. Don't just invite them to a Sunday morning event, a one-hour worship service where one guy speaks and some people sing and maybe everybody sings, but..." That's not what the church is meant to be. The church is meant to be the body of Christ to one another and the light to the world. Our God prefers a mobile home. Thanks for listening to this episode of Sound of Truth Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please rate and review it. Also, tell your friends about it. Thanks. Music is by Canon and is used by permission. Sound of Truth is produced in collaboration with Harvest Jacksonville and is copyrighted by Brett A. Morani, 2024.